0: If you have a Bible, either a printed copy like I do, or you have a digital copy on your phone, let me encourage you to hold it up now and to repeat after me what we believe about this book, the Bible. This is God's Word, it is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now, and open up your copy of God's Word with me to Revelation chapter 17. This morning, we're going to kind of fly through Revelation chapter 17 and 18 as we make our way toward the end of this book. I've discovered over 60 plus years that man is incurably. Religious, It's in our bones, it's in our DNA. The truth is, we were created to worship. And even secular sources are beginning to realize this. Several years ago, CNN reported on a blockbuster study and they said this. They said, religion comes naturally, even instinctively, to human beings. This is CNN. This is not the Bible. This is not... Christianity today this is not some religious newspaper this is CNN and CNN says that religion comes instinctively to man now the Bible says that in a variety of ways in the book of Ecclesiastes Solomon said this he said God has set eternity in the hearts of man in other words deep down in our hearts We know that there is something more. We know that there is someone more. We know that there is someone out there that is worthy of our worship. And that's why David said, not once but twice in Psalms, the fool, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And the fool has said this, David said, because their deeds are evil. You see, David said it takes a fool to try to say there is no God because everything inside of us, our heart, our mind, all that we are would proclaim there is a God. And in Romans chapter 1 in the New Testament, the apostle Paul said this. He said, God has made the truth about himself obvious to man. In other words, Paul said that that every man knows that there is a God. But then Paul said this, he said, they knew God but refused to worship him and instead made up other gods to worship. And that's the problem. You see, if we don't worship the creator, we will create someone or something else to worship. And the problem is the someone or the something else that we create to worship will never satisfy us. Pascal, the the philosopher, said this. He said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. And yet, Even though that seems obvious, it seems that man keeps on trying to devise new ways and more clever ways to worship anything and everything imaginable. And as we come to the end times, the Apostle Paul talks about the worship that goes on in the end times. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that man will act religious, but he will reject what can make him truly godly. In other words, man will be religious because we are instinctively religious, but we will reject what can really make us godly. And in chapter 4, Paul said, A time will come when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers that will tell them whatever their ears want to hear. And boy, are we living in that day today. When people are looking for teachers that will tell them anything and everything they want to hear. But during the tribulation we are told that this search for religion. And for teachers that will teach anything and everything that they want to hear. Will come to an all time high. Because during the tribulation a church will arise that will seduce the nations. But it isn't the old time religion it's an end-time religion, and that's what chapter 17 and 18 is really all about. Now, there are a lot of ways that we could unpack these chapters, and there's a lot of things that we could talk about in these chapters. But, but, but I want you to see this morning what God reveals about this tribulation church. This. End Time Church. Now before we start reading, I want to give you a little background about where we've been and where we're headed in our study. Last week, we looked at the bold judgments, the final judgments of God upon the earth. And let me remind you that the Bible teaches that during the tribulation, God will bring a series of three judgments on a sinful world. It will begin with the seal judgments, then it will move to the trumpet judgments, and finally it will end with the bowl judgments, and each of these series of judgments will get progressively worse until they culminate with the return of Christ, the second coming of Christ. And once Christ comes, he will set up his earthly kingdom for a thousand years. We call that the millennial kingdom, the millennial reign. Now I've shared with you that as we look at the book of Revelation, much of the book is as if God has given us this telescopic view of future events. In other words, it's like we're we're looking at the end time, these future events, through a telescope and, and we can make out things but we can't see details. And that's kind of what a lot of the book of Revelation is like. We're told about things that will happen, but we're not given a whole lot of detail. And then there are other times when God gives us a microscopic view. It's as if instead of looking through a telescope, we're looking at, at events through a microscope. And, and God has given us a detailed picture of, of what is going to happen. And that's what we see as we open up chapter 17 and 18. God has given us a detailed picture picture of what's going to happen during this bowl judgment period and as I said what I want us to focus on is what we learn about this end time church this tribulation church now follow along with me as we begin reading in verse 1 it says one of the seven angels who had poured out the seven bowls came over and spoke to me come with me he said and I will show you the judgment That is going to come on the great prostitute who rules over many waters. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. And the people who belong to the world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that had seven heads and ten horns. And let me remind you, we've already talked about this. This scarlet beast with seven heads and ten horns is the Antichrist. And this is representative Christ's ten horns represent these kingdoms that are going to come together as a conglomerate to work with the Antichrist. And blasphemies against God were written all over it. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. In her hand she held a gold goblet full of obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. A mysterious name was written on her forehead, Babylon the Great, the mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. I could see that she was drunk, drunk with the blood of God's holy people who were witness for Jesus. I stared at her in complete amazement. Now one of the angels who had poured out the seven bowls of God's judgment came to John and and invited John to see the judgment that God was going to bring on this great prostitute. Three times in chapter 17, we see this woman called the great prostitute. And we're told another time that she has on her forehead written a name, Babylon the Great, the mother of all prostitutes. Now, who is this woman Defined as a prostitute, is she an actual woman, is she some worldly system, or is she something else? Well, I believe that she is representing the end-time church that the Antichrist will use to consolidate his power and his control over the world. You see, oftentimes in the Old Testament, when the nation of Israel, the people of God, would become unfaithful to God and they would chase after other gods... God would call them prostitutes. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 21, God said this. He said, see how Jerusalem, once so faithful, has become a prostitute. They were chasing after other gods. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 2, it says, you sit like a prostitute beside the road. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 15, it says, you gave yourself like a prostitute to every man who came along and in the book of Hosea Hosea talks about Israel acting as a prostitute chasing after other gods and so whenever we see people following after false gods rather than the one true God God is saying they are prostituting themselves following after other gods and what does a prostitute do? Well, a prostitute takes something that that God has ordained, something that, that God has made holy, something that is a part of God's plan, and a prostitute makes it unholy. What the prostitute does may look incredibly like what a husband and wife do. But rather than being holy and pure, it is evil and wicked. And that's what false religions do. And that's what this prostitute represents, the false religious system of this world during the end times, during the tribulation. You see, you need to understand that God created us for a relationship. God created us to be united with him. From the very beginning of the Bible to the very end, that is made crystal clear to us. That's why in the Bible, God calls the church church, the bride of Christ. And he tells us that we are supposed to be a spotless, pure, without blemish bride. And yet here is this religious system, this church that is not a bride that is pure and spotless without blemish. This is a church that is called a prostitute. Now on her name or on her forehead is written the name Babylon the Great. Now, why is that? Well, Babylon is first mentioned in the Bible in Genesis chapter 10. Babylon was established by Nimrod, who was the grandson of Ham. It was known as Babylon, but initially it was known as Babel. And at Babel, we remember that they tried to build this tower of Babel. It was this tower that would make its way to God. It was a tower that would reach to heaven. The word Babel initially meant gateway to God. And that's what the people of Babel were doing. They were trying to build this gateway to God. They were working their way up to God. Just like Genesis 3 where Satan told Adam and Eve, you can be like God They were now trying to make their way up to God so that they could be just like God. But God saw what they did. And you know the story how God confused their languages. And the word Babel now means confusion. And and that's what false religion does, doesn't it? False religion uses confusion and brings confusion to people. Now understand, when you read chapter 17 and 18, we're not going to go into this people say a lot about what Babylon means and what Babylon represents some people say that the city of Babylon is going to be rebuilt and it might be rebuilt but I believe that Babylon here just represents a system that is opposed to God if it's a real city that's going to be rebuilt that really doesn't matter because it is a system that is opposed to God and this prostitute from Babylon is the mother of all prostitutes or false religions. And you say, Rocky, why do you say that? Well, we'll think about it for a minute. When you hear the term Wall Street, do you think about just a street in New York or do you think about a money system? When you you hear the term Madison Avenue, do you think about a, a, a street in New York or do you think about fashion and advertising? When you hear the term Hollywood, do you think about this suburb of of Los Angeles or do you think about the movie industry? You see, just like those terms are used to describe systems, Babylon here in this chapter is used to describe a system that is opposed to God. And the Bible says that this system that is opposed to God is going to be used by the beast in conjunction with this church to deceive the world. Now he gives us a description of this church in this chapter. He tells us first of all that this church will have a worldwide reach. Listen to what he says in verse 15. He says, Then the angel said to me, The the waters where the prostitute is ruling represent the masses of people of every nation and every language. This false religion will reach people from all over the world. It will spread like wildfire. Everyone will join in. There will no longer be many religions in the world during the tribulation. All of these religions will consolidate into one religion. Now, I want to remind you that the Bible tells us that God's desire is that people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue will be before the throne of God, right? So what does Satan do here? Satan establishes a church where people from every nation And every tongue are going to be a part of it. Remember Satan is the great deceiver Satan is the great counterfeiter. Whatever God does Satan tries to counterfeit so the church will have a worldwide reach. Second the church will exercise great control. The Bible says the kings and the people of the world will be drunk by the wine of her immorality. When you're drunk on something you're controlled by that something. That's why Paul told us in Ephesians 5: don't be drunk with wine, where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, be controlled by the Spirit. When you're drunk with alcohol, you're controlled by that alcohol. When you're high on drugs, you're controlled by that drug. So when it says that the nations of the world, the kings of the world, are drunk on her immorality, it just simply means that they are controlled by her. This church. Is like an unholy lover that will seduce the world and then will destroy the world. She will fill the world with lies and the world will believe those lies. The book of Proverbs gives us a description of the immoral woman. And the book of Proverbs is a great book for you as men to go over with your sons to teach them how to live wise lives in this world. But one of the things that Solomon talks about is the immoral woman because he's writing that book to his son. And he's telling her, them, his son how to um, um, stay away from that immoral woman but as you read those chapters chapter 5 and chapter 7 you see how she works how she makes herself beautiful how she makes herself seductive but in the end he she brings death to him and that's what this church will do this church will control people by what she does third This church will be in bed with the beast. The Bible says here that the woman is sitting on the beast. And remember, the beast is the the antichrist. All false religions are carried and empowered by the antichrist and by Satan himself. Never forget, Satan is the great deceiver. And he deceives us by taking the truth, manipulating the truth, and then changing the truth. Now at first, the church is in bed with the Antichrist. And it seems like they both have the same end in mind. It seems like this church, this tribulation church and the beast, the Antichrist, are, have the same agenda. But the truth is, the beast is just using that church. And I want you to listen for just a second. That's something that we need to learn as the church of Jesus Christ today. As followers of Jesus who live in America, we have a great privilege and an awesome responsibility. We have the privilege and the responsibility to be involved in our political system. We have a right not only to vote, but we have a right to speak out. And listen, the church needs to speak out. The church needs to vote. Because our desire, Jesus said, is that God's kingdom will come, God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we should be working to do everything we can to bring God's will about on earth as God's will is being done in heaven. And yet at the same time, listen, church, we must be careful never to get in bed with any political party, not the Republican Party, not the Democratic Party, because every political party will always use us if they can. Listen, politics, politics will always destroy character. I'm convinced of that. Politicians, in the end, will always look out for their own best interest there are very few politicians that are going to work for the good of the people they are going to work for their own good they corrupt politics corrupt and so we watch the system we use the system but we never allow the system to use us and so listen as a Christian you shouldn't be a Republican as a Christian you shouldn't be a Democrat you should be a child of God, amen? And if the Democratic Party is doing what's right, then we'll support them. If the Republican Party is doing what's right, we will support them. But we're not going to get in bed with any party because if we do, eventually they will turn on us. And we learn that right here. Now in verses 7-14, through 14, we're given a prophecy we've already talked about that i'm not going to go into again with you but i do want to read verse eight to you in this it says in the people who belong to this world whose names were not written in the book of life they're not saved before the and and by the way this is so cool isn't it? whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made god knew that you would receive him before he ever even made the world isn't that pretty cool i mean god already knew before he made anything. That I would be his child. I love that. Now does that mean that I didn't have a choice? I don't think it means that. I think it just means that God in his foreknowledge knows everything. And God said that boy right there is going to be my child. He's going to accept me. He's going to receive me. And so if you're a child of God you can rest assured that God chose you. Before you ever chose him. And the people who belong to this world. Whose names were not written in the book of life. Before the world was made. Will be amazed at the reappearance of the beast who had died. This calls for a mind with understanding. And let me remind you. We've already talked about this. That the antichrist in the end is going to be killed. He's going to die. But he's going to come back to life. And the reason he's going to come back to life. Is because Satan himself. Is going to come into the body of the antichrist and inhabit the body of the antichrist after he dies and the antichrist is going to come back to life and here's the amazing thing the resurrection the real resurrection of Jesus the world doesn't believe it but the resurrection of the antichrist the world's going to latch on to it and be amazed now notice the next thing we learn here about this church this church will embrace the perversions of the world. It says that she is carrying a gold goblet filled with obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. Now, can you imagine the beauty of the outside of this cup? But the beauty on the outside is only hiding the filth that is on the inside. And that's what false religion always does. False religions may look good. Their message may sound good. But in the end they are filled with filth for instance false religion will will tell you that you were made this way rejoice in it false religions will tell you express yourself be yourself false religions will tell us things that sound good and make us feel good but in the end they will lead us into bondage now This church will have an anything goes mentality. When I say anything goes, anything will go. But this shouldn't be hard for us to believe anymore. Remember several weeks ago we talked about that church in the upstate that was having a drag queen give a show at their church. I mean if a drag queen gives a show in church, nothing should surprise you. And then this past week, we heard about the sexual abuse and the sexual scandals in our own family of faith. And so when we hear about all the immorality in the church today, really nothing should surprise us when it comes to this end-time church. And finally, this church will persecute God's people. This end-time church will, will be tolerant of a lot of religions at first, But the one thing they will not be tolerant of is those who bend their knee to Jesus. Now let me remind you that we believe that that the church has already been raptured during this time. That the church has been taken out of the world before this tribulation because the tribulation is the wrath of the Lamb. And we're told in scripture that we have been spared from the wrath that is to come, but Because of the testimony of two witnesses and and 144,000 Jewish um, missionaries who go out into the world. A great revival takes place in the world during this tribulation. And the Antichrist and this false church, this tribulation church, is going to do everything they can to kill every single Christian. So during the tribulation, a church will arise that will seduce the nations. But what's surprising is this. As we continue to read, we discover that the beast will eventually turn on this tribulation church. Listen to what it says, verses 16 and 17. The scarlet beast, and that's the Antichrist, and his ten horns, that's the conglomerate that that was working with the Antichrist, all hate the prostitute. Did you get that? The beast, the Antichrist, hates the The prostitute, this end times church. They will strip her naked, eat her flesh, burn her remains with fire. It's pretty gruesome, isn't it? For God has put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out his purposes. They will agree to give their authority to the scarlet beast. And so the words of of God will be fulfilled. So these ten nations will give their authority to the beast, giving him full rule. But what you need to understand is this. During the tribulation, during the first half of it, the Antichrist is going to be in bed with this end-time church, using this end-time church to consolidate his power. We read about the beast and what he's going to do in Daniel chapter 9. We read about it in Revelation, how he is going to make this peace treaty with, with Israel and for seven years, and, and they're going to rebuild their temple, and they're going to reestablish worship there. But at the halfway mark, at the three and a half year period, the Antichrist is going to break that treaty and he's going to establish worship of himself in the temple. Well, what's going to happen is for the first three and a half years, the Antichrist is using the church. He's using the church to kill Christians, those who follow Jesus, who have given their heart to Jesus. He's using the end time church to to be his propaganda wing. But at the midway point, he's not going to be content with people worshiping false gods. He wants everyone to worship him. And so he's going to destroy the end time church. And for the last part of the tribulation, Satan will demand that everyone worship the beast. And remember, Satan is the embodiment of the beast. And so understand the beast, Satan, is going to turn on this end-time church. Now, what is amazing to me is this. The unholy plans of man are sometimes used to carry out the holy purposes of God. God uses the beast, the Antichrist, to destroy this ungodly church. You sit back and say, why did God do that? Well, why does God do a lot of things that he does? We don't know I mean who can understand the mind of God the Bible says that the secret things belong unto God the revealed things belong to man there's a lot of things that you and I will never understand and there's ways that God works that you and I will never understand we sit back and we look at our world today and we wonder why why does God allow this why did God allow that. Why did this take place? Rest assured, God has a plan. And rest assured, everything is moving to the culmination of that plan. We may not understand it all. We may not even like it all because we don't understand it but we trust the mighty hand of God knowing that he's working it all out according to his perfect plan. And that leads us to the final thing we see here and that's this God will judge the beast and his kingdom. Remember Babylon represents his system, his kingdom. It says in chapter 18 verses 1 through 3 after all of this after the the woman the prostitute is been destroyed. I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority and the earth grew bright with his splendor. He gave a mighty shout Babylon is fallen. The great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She has a hideout for every foul spirit. A hideout for every foul vulture and every foul and dreadful animal for all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. Babylon has fallen. God judges the world understand judgment is coming we don't know when but we know it's coming and I believe it's coming soon and we need to be ready and that's why God gives us a warning in this chapter here I want to remind you that throughout the book of Revelation even though we're looking at future events God gives us warning after warning in the midst of these events. And in chapter 18, God gives a warning for us today. Listen to what he says in verses 4 and 5. He says, Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Who? This worldly system that the devil is using. Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Jesus gives this warning, come out from among her. Don't take part in her evil deeds, or you will be judged with her. Throughout God's word, we're told to be different. In 1 John chapter 2, we're told love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we are told to come out from among them and be a separate people. God tells us to be different than the world. And yet, I believe the problem with the church of Jesus Christ today is we look just like the world and some will say well that's why we need to wear suits and ties and that's not what this is saying here God isn't concerned whether you wear jeans or a tie or a suit others will say well that's why we need to sing the hymns of old and that's not what this is talking about it's not talking about a style of music It's talking about the way we live, the way we act, the way we react to this world around us. We're told to be different. We're told to respond different. When tragedy comes, we respond different because we know our God's on his throne, amen? When difficulties happen to us, we respond different because we know who is in control. When the world tells us that this is right and this is wrong, we don't listen to the world, we listen to God because we're called to be different. We don't love the world nor the things of this world. We don't listen to the world. We don't listen to the world's counselors. We don't listen to the world's experts we listen to the word of God why because we're different we're to come out from the world and be a separate people Now, how do we do that the only way is through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us amen you can't do it on your own Christ in us is our only hope for glory but this I know When the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, the Holy Spirit changes us. He makes us new. We're born again like Jesus said. The Apostle Paul said the old man has died. We've we've been made brand new. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He changes us from the inside out. He gives us the desire to separate from the world. And he gives us the power to separate from the world. And so I want to ask you as we close this morning, are you living separate? Or are you living just like the world? We're called to be different. We are warned to come out from this world system and live different from it. Are you living different? Are we living different so that we can make a difference? There are two things that I want to challenge you with today as we close. One, if you're here and you've never been made different through the power of the Holy Spirit, you need that more than anything else in your life. You need to give your heart and life to Jesus. You need to turn from your sin, trust Jesus, give Him control of your life. He's your only hope but if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus I would ask you have you been living different or have you just bought into this is the way it is this is the way we live this is the world we live in we don't have to God wants a pure bride God wants us to be spotless when we appear before his throne, and yes, the blood of Jesus does that for us, but oh goodness, he wants us to be holy when we stand before him. Are you living that way? I want you to bow your head, and I want you to close your eyes. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed. If you're here and you've never given your heart and life to jesus then that's the most important thing you need to do and i believe through the power of the holy spirit right now and if you've never given your heart and life to jesus there's probably something tugging in your heart letting you know that you need to make a decision for christ today and so i want to invite you to swallow your pride humble yourself before god and give your heart and life to jesus if that's what you need to do then I want to encourage you to pray this prayer to him right now dear God I humbly come to you today acknowledging that I'm a sinner I've been living life my way forgive me I don't want to live that way anymore Jesus I believe you died on the cross for my sins I believe you rose from the grave defeating sin and death for me Right now, I'm trusting you to save me. Right now, I'm giving my life to you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Make me brand new. With your head still bowed, your eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to God's family. And I want to encourage you in just a moment when we all stand and Many will come to the altar. I want to encourage you to come and let us know that you prayed that prayer. But then, second, if you're here and you're a child of God, I want you to ask yourself right now is there anything really different about me? That my neighbors, my co workers, my classmates, can tell that I'm a follower of Jesus. Is there anything different about me? If not, why not? And if not, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to pray in just a second. We're going to stand. Our altar is going to be open. and I want to encourage you as we get ready to take communion in a few moments to just come and ask God to search your heart, search your life show you anything that's displeasing to Him and confess that to Him turn from it if you're a child of God maybe you need to talk to a pastor and we're going to have pastors down front but I want to encourage you to to come clean before God this morning that's what we're going to focus on Lord, this is your time, and I pray that you'll have your way in each of our lives. Father, I pray that no one will leave here without total surrender to you today. Pray this in Jesus' name.